0: The Circle, produced by Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. This is Tribal Sovereignty. It's our children's future. It's what our ancestors and our elders fought for. It's what we continue to fight for today, so that our people may live. This is The Circle, brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. My name is Ray Rowland, Community Engagement Coordinator, along with Brandon Ekafi, our Communications Director. And we are here once again bringing you the latest news and updates and information from the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center, giving the community an inside look as to how the health board operates and the different health care services and education opportunities that we provide throughout the Great Plains Tribal Community. And you can stream and download all of our past episodes on Spotify and podbean.com. Just search the keyword, the circle. We are now on Spotify. So if you have the Spotify app and you want to stream or download past episodes, search the keyword, the circle. Um, one of the things that we're trying to do with the show is provide the community for which we serve a platform to answer any of your questions or concerns. So please reach out to us anytime. You can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or email me at roland at gpt.com chb.org or if you don't have access to the internet give us a call monday through friday 8 to 4 30 p.m mountain time 605-721-1922 we have a very important show for you this week as most of you probably heard by now the oglala sioux tribe powwow rodeo along with other events in and around the great plains have been postponed due to the resurgence of covid19 specifically the delta variant And with vaccination levels being what they are, it's really no surprise that they had to come to this decision in order to keep our people safe. As of right now, Brandon, we know vaccinations are proving to be effective against COVID-19 and the Delta variant. But the question remains, why aren't more people getting vaccinated?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of questions out there. People, we hopefully get those answers today with our lead epidemiologist coming on, Nick Hill. Um, If anybody hasn't met Nick Hill, he's done some online stuff with Vice President Alicia Musso's uh, social media channels, him and Dr. O'Connell, uh, the two epidemiologists here in-house at the health board. But Nick's background's pretty extensive. He's helped to fight against and studied basically every major pandemic in the last 20 years, whether it be SARS, uh, swine flu, H1N1, Any other breakouts within the United States. He's kind of been there on the front lines, you know, figuring out which way it's going to go, what it's going to do. And he'll give us some insight into what we're looking at with the oncoming or the impending surge of the Delta variant in this area. But, you know, the one thing that we really do draw from the conversation everyone will hear in a bit is vaccinations are our way to protect the community, protect our way of life, keep people alive. And, you know, so anything, you know, we're, we're here to promote the vaccine
0: today for sure. Yeah, and I keep thinking in my head when it comes to people not getting a vaccine or being on the fence to getting a vaccine. I'm like, what's your number at what point or what number of deaths is it going to convince you that this thing is real and that vaccines help? Uh, forget politics for a second. The virus doesn't care. If you're left, or if you're right, or if you're pro-government, anti-government, religious, not religious, it doesn't matter. It's here, and it ain't going anywhere. It's not a question of if you get it; it's when you get it. And the longer you wait, the more you put others in danger. And it's that simple. The science is real. The virus is real. And the more our people, more you wait, the more of our people will die. It's a fact.
1: So what happened this week was the health board actually mandated vaccinations for. All staff. So anybody working under the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board banner, whether they be at the We Are Warriors Emergency Operations Center, whether they're at the Oyate Health Center, whether they're in the central office, whether they're out working in the field, everyone at the health board is mandated to have the vaccination. Been um, questions out there if it's legal, is it not legal? You know, it it looks like you know from what our legal team says and what the American Medical Association and you know, up to other 60 other provider groups that came out yesterday You say, you know, if you're a healthcare worker, you're working in the community, mandate vaccines for these individuals. And we haven't had a whole lot of pushback here at the health board before we decided to to mandate the vaccine. We already had 76% of our staff were vaccinated. Um, There are some exceptions, you know, of course, for medical reasons, you know, pregnant mothers, you know, some other things like that. But you know, if, if you're coming into contact with anyone that works with the health board, you know, who has anything to do with those contractors, you know, they're all gonna be vaccinated. So, you know, that that's a major first step and an important first step that our organization took to, you know, say, look, this is what we have, this is what we're do as healthcare providers, as public health workers, as healthcare communicators, we're gonna we're gonna set the example and get the vaccine.
0: One of the things that I'm told, you know, when you're a healthcare worker, specifically a nurse or a doctor is that you you pledge an oath to first do no harm you know and this is that case where you need to think about your actions and the consequences that come from them you know if you're a healthcare worker and and you're you know on the fence still it's it's time and and nick will get into that as he explains you know it's time even for those folks that don't really have a reason They're just, you know, on the fence and don't want to do it. It's time for you to get in the game. It's time for you to help protect our people. The important thing to remember is that if, if even
1: if you did, you know, you're, you're the end of the line. You you don't want to be the person who's silently carrying the Delta or, you know, you have COVID and you can pass it on to someone in your family who may not be as healthy or prepared to handle that. And just the weight of that kind of has drove me to get the vaccination you know it's not just you know it wasn't bad you know my arm was sore the first time second time i got the shot i was a little tired you know and and other people have had it worse but that was it Mm -hmm. you know that after that you know i haven't you don't think about it. it's over you know you just know that you have an extra layer of
0: protection and the most effective layer protection that you can have yeah i got my vaccine back in march i think it was i had a pfizer um, nothing on the first one a little tired on the second one arm hurt that was it I mean there was no worse than any other sort of shot that you would get for me I mean other people again have those symptoms but I mean it's a lot worse you know it's a lot better than the alternative and what Nick's
1: going to comment on later today is that that the, the major outbreaks you know the the increase in in hospitalization increase in death are all amongst those who are unvaccinated you know and, and when you look at people who say oh i'm not i'm not gonna get vaccinated okay well that's fine you know you're gonna go and you take that risk of, of maybe being hospitalized maybe getting you know maybe even dying but it's really irresponsible to just be like you know i'm okay with passing it on i'm okay with getting it with sharing it with my family members and my community members you know, that's kind of where it kind of some self-accountability, you know, mm-hmm. you could isolate. I mean, you could be one of the people, I'm not going to get vaccinated at all. And you can completely socially distance yourself, never go out in public. But I don't think that's really, you know, how anyone can realistically live. And so when you're going out in public, there's a certain responsibility you have, just like seat belts, just like not driving recklessly. You know, you drive on the right side of the road, yeah. you could drive on the left side of the road, but you know, it makes a whole lot more sense to just kind of stick in them parameters and what we've all agreed on as far as keeping each other safe and healthy and, you know, longing for life.
0: I, I just don't get where the pushback uh, of science and medicine specifically, you know, we, we all have our thoughts on different realms of science and whether we're religious or not religious or whatever it is, I don't understand. I mean, the, all our lives we've been telling doctors are here to help, and that's what they're trying to do, and nobody's
2: listening.
1: You know, I, and I've come a long way in life, you know, knowing a little bit about a lot of things and not, and, you know, not a lot about specific things, and when there is something where I need to know details on or I need to know in-depth knowledge as far as that subject matter, I rely on the experts. and. We have epidemiologists, we have doctors, we have people who actually know what they're talking about, who've put in the years and years of work to learn to interpret data and see data and study the results and then provide us context on what it all means. And it bothers me when people can just ignore them. You know, well, no, well, I saw this YouTube video. You know, I read, mm-hmm. I heard this, this podcast the other day where they said that 99% of these doctors are wrong. So you can go right at the 1% of person who is in a, md or who isn't an epi person to you know break down this whole so-called global conspiracy it just makes you know no sense to me you know i I think that the 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 talks that we need to start having is just come on step up for your community and your family get the shot there's incentives there's you know more access to activities you know when when we get into the fall and winter you know there's there's a real chance you know if there is a, a surge like we're expecting you know some events, maybe you may need your vaccination card, you know, and all that could be avoided if just more people would be willing to step up and, and get vaccinated, you know, kind of swallow some, swallow, swallow your ego, swallow some pride. You see all these people around you who've gotten a shot, survived. You know, let, let's move forward. Let's get back towards, you know, where we, we feel safe gathering together and we feel safe having community events because we know we passed that threshold or that number we need to be vaccinated to reach herd immunity. and. You know guarantee that we're safe what are the numbers right now as far
0: as vaccination totals on there
1: yeah i think you look at pine you look at pine ridge um you look at rosebud you know there's somewhere like the 25 to 35 percent range um give our take you know a transient community people come and go but that's a long ways away from the 70 percent that at least the ost council placed as that marker or that number that we wanted to reach as far as how many how much of our population has a shot you know 70 percent. you know we get to have the fair we get to do this we get to do that and you know it's just trying to inspire people to come in and and, and get it. it's it's you know and we get it there's difficulties getting to the hospital some people don't have rides you know some people you know just have fear of needles you know there's all kinds of reasons but you know i think that the mobile clinics that ihs is putting out there and rapid, the, the, the vaccination events that Oyate Health Center is going to put on in the next few weeks. These are all opportunities to come in, you know, bring your people, bring your kids, your friends, get a shot, do it together, give each other encouragement. I'm pretty sure that uh, if you come get it at the Oyate Health Center, you know, might have some little stickers or, you know, something to give back, you know, some kind of sort of incentive, whether it be small. But, you know, just to say that, you know, you're doing your part and pushing forward, and pushing back against this, this, this COVID
0: yeah, and again, if you have those questions, reach out to your doctor, reach out to your, your local healthcare professional, and ask them. That's what they're there for. Um, there's, there's lots of information out there. Um, so judge for yourself, but right? judge with an open mind and, and know that these are the experts. These are the experts that we relied on to birth our children, to save our parents to tell us when it is that we need to make a change in order to save ourselves so let's get in the game let's do this because I guarantee you I mean I'm not a mathematician I'm not an expert I know simple math and if we continue on this trend we're not going to have L&I we're not going to have Ognation next year we're not going to have anything we're going to have more death
1: more death more isolation but you know A lot of those questions that we have, a lot of questions that the public have, Nick's going to get to here in a moment. And I think that's a good lead into our conversation with the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board, Great Plains Tribal Epidemiology Center's lead epidemiologist, one of the premier minds in this field in the entire United States, Nick Hill. So listen and enjoy.
0: Does someone you know struggle with drugs or alcohol use? If you are a friend or family member concerned about a loved one's substance use disorder join us at circles of care for our free friends and family support group hosted by the yoyate health center every tuesday at 6 pm at our new facility located on 725 north lacrosse street in rapid city south dakota circles of care is based on the community reinforcement and family training model a highly effective evidence-based motivational program that impacts communities and families in multiple areas of their lives. For more information on Circles of Care, contact the Oyate Health Center Behavioral Health at 605-718-5095. All right, for those of you still on the fence, uh, we wanted to take this time to provide you with some facts and statistics when it comes to the vaccines and COVID-19 Delta variant. So today we brought in Nick Hill, head epidemiologist for the Great Plains Tribal Epidemiology Center. Welcome, Nick, and thank you for joining us today. I just want to start off by uh, having you tell us what epidemiology is and what exactly your role is in the epicenter.
2: Sure. So epidemiology is the study of diseases and other health events in a population of people and looking for the determinants of why the disease is there and trying to study it. So for example, a, a physician would have a patient. An epidemiologist has a population. That's the difference. The focus is essentially, you know, the same. There may be disease in a patient that the physician wants cure in a in a setting like an epidemiologist studies the disease may be in the population so the epidemiologist is working at understanding what is the Achilles heel of that disease and how can we address it and how can we stop it
0: now most of us by now should know what COVID-19 is now we we hear a lot of talk about diseases and viruses and infections um what kind of break down what COVID-19 actually is and, and where it kind of stands within that spectrum.
2: Yeah, sure, so um, yeah, as you said, there's many diseases and causes of diseases, but for the infectious side of things, there are viruses, there are bacteria, there's protozoan, and there can even be things like mold or you know different causes of a disease process. So, viruses are questionably not living. They actually have to have a cell to live in, but they're a packet of code packet of either DNA or RNA and its goal is to get dispensed inside of a cell where it can start making more of itself. And really that's simple. That's what it wants to do. It just simply wants to make more of itself and that's what it's doing there. So when we inhale you know a virus, it's going to be basically finding the cells lying on our nose in our lungs and it simply wants to make more of itself and then spread to further other people. So so
1: since the start of COVID, what have we learned, you know, in the beginning, you know, it was always, you know, it's on surfaces for so long, Mm -hmm. or, you know, there were all these, all these little, you know, rumors that we didn't know if were confirmed about how long it lives, what has sun us to it, you know, what, what are some of the things that we know now that we didn't necessarily know at the start?
2: Great question. So Yeah, Brandon, thanks. The answer to that is we knew it was a virus. We didn't exactly know the extent of how it gets into the human and causes infection at the time. We knew it was a coronavirus, which is essentially, it is a kind of cold virus. And we found that it was on surfaces and it could survive on surfaces. And right away, people thought, well, maybe that's a risk factor because with some viruses, you can pick them up, you can put them into your mouth, and they would infect your gastrointestinal system, you know, that's your stomach and your intestines, and then they could, you know, cause the disease that way. The difference is with COVID-19, that it is looking for a particular type of cell and a particular type of receptor of that cell on the nose, and the nares as they're called, the nose and lungs, and it's called an ACE2 receptor. In particular it's a lock and key fit there that virus needs to find that particular receptor it's not going to get in where it wants to get in by someone picking up with their fingertips and eating a candy bar i will caution though there's a small chance if someone were to get enough virus on their finger and pick their nose let's say guess what you're putting it right in the receptor area but most people are not doing that children daycare you know things like this Good hand hygiene is still very important, and guess what? It's important, and, and it's a very important factor for a lot of prevention in the adult population. But the primary way, and what we know now about COVID, is that you inhale what someone else exhales. When they exhale, they're exhaling droplets containing the coronavirus, COVID-19, and that virus, when you inhale, and packs in your nose and down into your lungs, it goes, and then it causes that infection. And that disease. So when you think about, you know, you're breathing in other people's, you know,
1: essentially what they exhale, you breathe it in, and that's primarily how you get COVID. What does that mean for, like, outdoor events, you know, like rodeos or powwows or motorcycle rallies, you know? What kind of, what what role does that, that knowledge play in, in the planning for these events or, you know, organizing them?
2: Right, that's a good question. So, what we know is that transmission is very low outdoors, period. That can happen. We have to take some precautions. But what we, we have going for us is what's called dilution. What that means is if you have a slight cross breeze especially, you're going to even downstream from a person exhaling even a couple feet or, or so, you're going to have tens of thousands of times dilution. It's just a lot of air outside. Hmm. The problem is being indoors with the person that's shedding because that air around that person is concentrating, concentrating, and concentrating over time, and then you're starting to breathe that air. has nowhere to go. It's not being filtered. If it's not being exchanged, meaning we don't have good air movement in that building, a lot of buildings are built for efficiency, and so they don't have a lot of air movement necessarily. Especially schools and things like that, that's where the transmission is. If you're at a rodeo and you're outdoors, the risk is quite low. I've been counseling people, you know, as an epidemiologist saying, you know, we don't have to be, you know, we don't have to be socially distant, meaning we can be together, you know, virtual platforms and things like this and should be. If you're gonna be outdoors with someone, don't go in the same car to get to that place. And don't leave from that place in a car with someone else. Go, ride there separately, be outdoors. The risk of transmission outdoors is quite low. Now, if someone is coughing right at you and you're outdoors, guess what? Maybe you still have risk right there. So, you know, cough etiquette, as they call it, cough You know, keeping your coughs covered, sneezes, and that sort of thing. Yeah, that would still be important outdoors. But the primary risk is indoors.
1: Yeah, it seems like a kind of a good transition to our our next subject matter. You know, it's summertime right now. We have a lot of people doing things outside. They're, you know, still practicing hand washing and stuff. But we're looking at kind of numbers locally that are way lower than they used to be. They're slightly trending upward you know, is this a product of summers? Is this a product of vaccinations? You know, what, what, where are we at? Kind of, I guess if you give us an EPI update of what we are locally and regionally and nationally, you know, where are we at? Where are we now?
2: Yeah, that's a good question too. We've got 90% of all public health jurisdictions that are tracking COVID now reporting increased rise of COVID Delta. 90%. That's pretty much everywhere. The last 10% either are not tracking or, you know, they're. They're going to see it very soon. So locally, regionally, nationally, even internationally, we're seeing the rise of Delta. Delta variant is much more highly infectious, 60 to 70 times more infectious. Why? Well, when it starts what's called colonizing the nose and lungs, it's doing that at a thousand times more concentration than the original strain of COVID-19. So when a person coughs, there literally could be a thousand times more virus particles that they're expiring. That's the risk right there. And that's why we're going to see a very substantial rise of COVID Delta now. You want to look to an example where we're going, look at the United Kingdom, the UK. They just peaked 10 days ago at 54,000 cases of Delta they are five times less populated than the United States. If we kind of figure out if we're gonna get to that level as they did, that's gonna be about 250,000 cases in one day in our future coming up here pretty soon. That's putting us back in January timeframe. That's scary to me as an epidemiologist, knowing that this is preventable, there's a vaccine for this, and yet we're not utilizing it like we should. The UK also had very high vaccination rates and still encountered that massive wave that they're still reeling from. Hospitalizations are still seeing like 5,000 a day. This is now preventable. We have effective and safe vaccines for it, and we need to get busy because otherwise we're going to see a lot of what we saw before repeated again.
1: What is, you know, When we talk about the, this particular variant, What makes this variant distinct from the original? I mean, we know that COVID was super infectious, the original strain. We're looking at this Delta variant that's way, way more infectious. But, you know, as with a a virus, it's looking for that population where it can survive. Where is this virus going to now? And, you know, what kind of makes it different from the original COVID strain?
2: Yeah, sure. It's different from the original COVID strain that it's had some mutations in its uh, spike protein. That spike protein is now um, a little bit different so that it binds more strongly to the receptor of that Mm. cell. But it's also a little bit more different in that it can evade the immune system response that we have. Even people that have been vaccinated we may see forty some percent possibility of them be still becoming ill when they get exposed to enough of it. They may still get a slight amount of illness, but what we know is they will still be highly highly protected against hospitalization and severe disease and death, and we know that now because this delta variant it is a little bit less likely to cause hospitalizations and death. And that's a good thing, but we also know that the uh, unvaccinated now account for 98% of all hospitalizations in the United States. And the unvaccinated account for 99.5% of the deaths that we're seeing in the United States. That's clear and strong evidence that those vaccines are working, and they're working really, really well at preventing that severe disease.
1: Is So I, I've heard also that that this particular variant, you know, it's not – going after older folks like, you know, in the past, and that might be a product of, of higher vaccination rates there, mm-hmm. but it's going mm-hmm. after, you know, people who are in the 12 to 18-year-old range. Um, is there some truth to that?
2: It, it, there is truth to that. We've had a very high, exceptionally high uptake of vaccine in the elderly population and then those at risk. And that's really what we really wanted to see happen, and they are getting that protection. Uh, Unfortunately, what the UK saw is if you look at some of the rates of severe disease, this COVID delta is more severe in the younger population in terms of hospitalization and death rates. 15 to 19-year-old in the UK had experienced a death rate that was twice what it was back in January. When they just had their wave and what they're experiencing right now, as we're speaking, right now, so that's our that and that age can get vaccinated. Age of twelve and above, can and needs need to very urgently and quickly get vaccinated because the U, the lesson from the UK was also that their wave was fueled and driven by the youth that were transmitting it. This Delta variant is more capable of transmitting amongst the youth compared to the original strain. If we don't get them vaccinated, we're just letting a free-for-all happen, and we will see ensuing higher rates of more severe disease in the youth, in the middle age, and those that are still susceptible that are older. And some people even that have been vaccinated that are older or have a number of different health conditions, maybe immunosuppression, being treated by for cancer, or they have uh, solid tumor uh, issues relating to other health, chronic health endpoints. They're still susceptible to severe disease even after they've been vaccinated. So CDC now is starting to look at the idea of having a booster dose for those individuals. But hey, let's put let's reel this all back and say we get our youth vaccinated. We're gonna take and we're gonna take a. Uh, uh, a lot of the fuel out of what the COVID uh, Delta variant is 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 fueling upon and transmitting to these others that are high risk. We need to get our youth vaccinated. We need to get vaccination rates up, and we need to do it right away, as soon as possible. Yeah, well, you know, I think about it as a coach.
1: you know, just in, a, in the wintertime, I'd have a traveling team going around. You want to play, have a season, or you want to have Al and I, you want to have a football season. It's more important than ever that we get young people into to get vaccinated. Um, you know, and, and we hear, we put up social media ads or we have conversations with people promoting the vaccine um, on behalf of the Yate Health Center and behalf of the health board. We hear all kinds of comebacks about why we're not taking the vaccine. You know, some people say it's experimental. You know, some people say, well, it was rushed through the process. It normally takes two years. And we've put out material kind of addressing those, but, you know, what are the myths or I guess what are the misconceptions that, that you come across as an epidemiologist that kind of just drives you nuts about the vaccine and, you know, and you know, what are you hearing, I guess, that, that bothers you as an epi person, all the myths out are
2: out there. Yeah, sure. First of all, there's a lot of distrust for vaccine manufacturers, like they're becoming very rich over this vaccines are not a high margin business they're not making their money off of vaccines they're making their money off of viagra and stuff like you know other things that people want vaccines are low margin business they're not getting rich over this federal government yes has put a huge amount of dollars into the development and the you know manufacturing and the um and the dissemination getting the vaccines to us and the people that need it they've done everything extremely well i think one of the things i would say is even though they were developed on a short timetable nothing was compromised every part of the process was done it's like for instance the way houses are built today versus how they were years ago years ago you had you know one or several people building a house and it'd take a very long time now you have crews of people come in i mean a roof gets put on in one day You know, the foundation, all of this, all the foundation to to the roof, you have specialists working in concert getting this house done. And the end product is the health. The house is exceptionally high quality. Why? Well, we have rules and regulations for this. We have inspections. Things have to pass checks. And we have the same thing happening with these vaccines. These are very safe and effective vaccines. The other myth is that, you know, well, it can, you know, implant something in you or something. That's not true. There's nine ingredients. They're all very well known. There's the component of the, you know, the code for the spike protein and only the spike protein. There's some salts. There's a sugar called sucrose. It's found in cane syrup and beets. And uh, and that's pretty much it. There's some lipids in there. Lipids are things that, you know, basically look like your cells there's even some cholesterol in there not anything to worry about just makes it look like your cell so the cell will accept it so you can get that uh, vaccine in the cell where it needs to be so it's really a very well-known process there's nothing else no other ingredients no trackers nanobots nothing like that Um, that's a, that's a thing for science fiction writers. That's not something for today about these vaccines. And the only other rumor I've really heard, you know, there's maybe two more. One is that there's this protein that can cause infertility in women. That's not true either. There is a protein along the same kind of general class, very unrelated to syncytium, which is on a placenta. It's not even closely related, not even closely related so that the human immune system would mistake this vaccine's coronavirus spike protein for that. It doesn't do that. That's not true. It's it's a myth. It'd be like me saying, Brandon, our social security numbers are the same because you've got a nine in yours, and so do I. It's just not the same. Not the same at all.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people who have made tremendous leaps of logic from one place to another on the vaccines, and you know, it's been a difficult battle just from a communication side of convincing people. You know, science has improved. You know, the origins of the COVID. You know, of COVID is you know that might be up in the air still, but the vaccines that we have are pretty effective, if not super effective, compared to the ones in the past. Um, as a you know, you've we didn't really talk too much about your background, but you've, I guess you've dealt with every pandemic, epidemic in the United States in the last what, 20 years, something like that. Uh, when we look at where we're at now in the, the pandemic in comparison to other global pandemics, you know, we're like 18 months in, 16 months in, something like that are we following the same kind of line of trajectory or the same wave? And and are we looking at this being like a two- to three-year thing? Or, you know, what's kind of the, the thoughts in the epi community on that?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So it's here to stay, for one. This is a coronavirus that hadn't existed in the human population. Now it's here, and it will continue thousands of years. We'll, they'll still have it. Uh, because it's a novel coronavirus. Our immune systems, and the reason why it causes a pandemic in the first place, our immune systems didn't have no resources, no understanding of how to deal with it. Never seen it before? Their immune system throws everything at it. And some people's immune systems overreact. And that's why they're hospitalized and and why people die. Uh, The vaccine trains and tells the immune system this is what it is in a non-threatening situation. So therefore, when they're exposed, they know how to deal with it. Now back to your question about this pandemic, will this continue to be a pandemic? Well, the virus is already evolving. It's, it's trying to become more infectious and less, cause less severe disease. Because really, that's what every virus wants. It wants people sick enough that they're expelling the virus, but well enough so they're going out and engaging in every social situation possible, see? That's what a virus's goal is. When it first entered the human population, it hadn't had a long time to get to the point where it wants to be. So actually, it caused a lot of severe disease. Where is this going? Well, I can tell you if we don't get vaccinations occurring worldwide, we're just giving it more shake of the dice to develop more variants. I'll say it again, if we don't get more vaccinations, we're just giving it access to the human population in time. Lots of people, lots of time to cause further variants. And it is possible sometimes for a variant to form that's more infectious and not expecting it to be this way to the virus, even more severe. That would be the worst situation, Brandon. That's the thing that keeps me up at night. Could we end up with a variant that's even more severe than anything we've seen so far? The possibility is there. <coughs> How do we counter that? Vaccinations. We need to limit its ability to do that.
1: Yeah, the Oyate House Center offers vaccinations every week to the public. Um, you don't have to be from Rapid City. You know, you just stop in and your travel member, you know, you're coming through. And we have access, what is it, um, 8 to 5 every day at 725 North Lacrosse Street in Rapid City. Testing is still available there. Um, we're offering the Oyate Health Center. When I say we're, the Oyate Health Center is offering vaccinations to every patient that comes in the door. It's not hard to get. Um, you have a choice. You know, there's there's the Pfizer. There's Moderna. there's um, I think the Johnson & Johnson, is that still out there? Um, any updates on, 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 I guess, individual vaccines or who should be taking what?
2: Um. Right, right. Well, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, or Janssen, is also the same as the AstraZeneca. Same platform, same platform, not the same vaccine. Same platform, meaning it's this whole virus. And the thought was the whole virus vaccine might be better. We didn't know. Or maybe these messenger RNA vaccines are better. What we're finding is messenger RNA vaccines are superior.
1: And that, that's the Moderna and the Pfizer. That's correct. So if we, you know, if you hadn't had a choice as a patient, you know, you want the Moderna and you want the Pfizer, and those yes. are the two-shot vaccines, you can take one, and then a month later you get another, uh, maybe somewhere down the road, a booster, but we're not there yet, but, you know, that's the Moderna and the Pfizer's for people listening, you go in, that that's what you want to take, and I don't know if they're still distributing the other ones or
2: not. Um yeah it's still being distributed. It's the single dose vaccine, so a person can just get a single dose uh and be considered protected and in immune at that point point. and uh the thing is about that virus is or that vaccine is it's actually a it's actually a vector it's a virus that delivers the the code for the vaccine it doesn't really replicate and cause you know covid virus. It's not a covid virus at all it's an adenovirus. Getting out of the complexity of that, for safety and effectiveness, Pfizer and Moderna is superior, period. The data show us that. As epidemiologists, I follow the data. Um, officially, I need to just say all our, you know, should be equally available. People should consider their options and make their choice based upon what they believe is important to them. Some people can't, for example, find transportation, maybe the one dose of the, of the, uh, Janssen and Johnson vaccine is ideal for them that's still okay
1: but what about people who had the virus already you know we at first we thought that the antibody stayed in the system for six months maybe more maybe less what are we learning about people who've already had it and what are we talking about or advising those people as far as vaccinations
2: right so they're still considered in immune sort of in the same sense as I was describing what the vaccines do they train the immune system help the immune system how to understand how to address another exposure of this virus Uh, the goal in any situation whether you're naturally infected or if you get the vaccine is that your immune system will have a really great regulated response it's not going to put you in the hospital you might get sniffles you might get sick you know but you won't get severely sick People who've had this before have those protective level of antibodies, and they're now starting to show that they were losing those protective antibodies. Doesn't mean they're not immune. There's still cells that remain that can quickly create those antibodies when they get re-exposed. But I think the science is showing that people that are immunized with the two doses of vaccine from the messenger RNA vaccines have better immune more regulated immune responses than just the natural disease. So I would recommend extremely strongly. People you know that you've been, you know, sick with this virus already, you can get the vaccination and boost your vaccination res or you boost your um your and be more resistant to a further challenge, because you really not, don't know what your future exposure might be. You know, you might be in close confines camping with someone or in a car with someone who's shedding a lot of virus, and you still could get very sick, quite sick. Um, getting the vaccination will el- all but eliminate that possibility. It should help produce for you an enhanced amount of protection
1: you know, on that note before I interrupt you, oh, you the Oyate mm-hmm. Health
2: Center just you
1: know, and the, the health board um, and the We Are Warriors EOC just enacted a policy that mandates that every staff member has you know is fully vaccinated from COVID nineteen up. Been a lot of national conversation about, you know, what are the rights of workers, you know, what is this, that, you know, but, you know, we we've come to come to find out that, you know, as a at will employer, we, we you know, we can require that vaccinations be taken by staff and you know and and we were already at 76 percent vaccination rates throughout the organization It just shows how valuable you know our our employees are how much they care about the people they work with and you know how much they bought into the science and the the truth around COVID-19 and realizing
0: they need that extra layer of protection. And going back to those you talked about that have already had the virus who have gotten sick with it Now, when we talk about immunity, we're not talking about they are completely free of ever getting the virus again
2: or giving it to
0: someone else. Is is that correct?
2: Yeah, right. This is a coronavirus. Guess what? People continue to get colds, you know, before this ever happened. Again and again and again over subsequent years. So we know immunity kind of just wanes over the course of time while the coronavirus changes a little bit over the course of time. It's like influenza. So I do believe we're going to have, you know, booster doses available in the future to help with this. Make sure we remain on top of it. I'd love to be able to see a lot of the vaccines being brought over to the messenger RNA vaccine type of vaccine. That would be outstanding because they can be produced more quickly, more surgically to the particular pathogen. You know, especially if pathogens are doing what some of them do, which is mutate and change. You can stay on top of it a little bit better.
0: And when, um, give my thought back real quick. Um, so for those immune, um, God, I lost my thought. I had a really good question. We're gonna cut all that out. Um, go ahead, Brand. if you got a question on top of your head, I'll I, I
2: can you. comment about the mandating of vaccines. Sure, yeah. so get into that a little bit. Yeah, more. um, Houston, Houston Methodist actually, uh, I think was the one of the first, if not the first. A uh, medical organization to mandate vaccination amongst the healthcare workers. Uh, I believe even Sanford has done that recently as well. I think it's really important that if you're, you know, let's put it this way: if it's a patient, maybe you're a susceptible patient, when you go in to see your healthcare provider, you want better health, not worse. You know, so I think it's important that our healthcare providers are. Are vaccinated, and uh, we can assure the public that they're not going to get exposed by their own healthcare workers that are very strongly intending to help us.
0: And when you talk about boosters, then are we in the future going to have to get two shots again when it comes to Pfizer and Moderna, or with just the booster up?
2: Yeah, so uh, because the immune system's already been primed, it's going to be like the influenza shot. It's just a single shot right. each year. A booster will be one shot, not two. The only difference is if there is another new and novel coronavirus that were to come on board. We're not talking COVID-19 now. Mm -hmm. Let's rewind history a little bit. When we had H1N1, I think it was in 2009, at that time, that was a novel influenza virus. So people needed two doses, a, a, a single dose and a booster dose to protect against that H1N1. It's the same thing with this COVID-19. We're just um, getting the two doses for the messenger RNA vaccines to produce full protection. In the future, we're just going to see, I think, the single booster doses for this particular COVID-19 coronavirus.
1: So should we stop, you know, doing large gatherings at this point, you know, or, you know, even like I guess even if you don't wanna comment on this or not in a position to comment on it, but the effectiveness of, of lockdowns, you know, like when we when we had each state basically doing kind of their own response. There wasn't a whole, you know, a clear national response to how to deal with this pandemic. And we hadn't dealt with something like this in a hundred years. I mean, you could speak differently of swine flu or H one N one was something similar. But what as far as public health practices, as far as, you know, just what we should be doing out there in society, you know what were, what were proven to be effective and what wasn't?
2: Sure. So let's go back to when we first had COVID-19 on the scene. It was very clear from New York City early on that nur- uh, nursing homes were heavily affected and emergency rooms and hospitals were just full. And to the point at which we would very soon and quickly have seen people dying at homes, in the street, in the parking lots, and so on. So we needed to flatten the curve, if you remember that. So these pu- very strong public health measures were put in place, emergency declaration of emergency and so forth, to basically shut down society as it would be physically engaging as it had been. A lot of people went into you know doing remote work, and we didn't all know about Zoom and Teams and everything else like that. We had to do everything virtually for a while, and we did accomplish flattening the curve to some degree. Um, now that we have and we didn't have a vaccine at that time now we have a vaccine i think a lot of governments are going to simply say you know what we have a vaccine now that's where the emphasis has to be and we're not going to see a lot of them willingly lock down again or push you know the the efforts that can be effective at decreasing social distancing like schools being uh you know Shut down for the purpose of virtual learning. I don't think we're going to see that this year. Uh, the reason why is I think we've also seen the effects that complete shutdowns can have on people' mental health, lock, lack of of learning opportunity in children, and so on. So, um, a lot of these the professionals who study this, including the Academy of Pediatrics, American Academy of Pediatrics, and and others, have recommended schools be in class um and i think that that's kind of set us up to you know we're probably not going to go back to shutdowns but it depends on the local uh, local jurisdiction you know if there's an extremely heavily to, heavily um, impacted local population they may certainly shut down there may be certain provisions put in place to really help uh once again flatten the curve, and, and help prevent the worst of the worst during that time. I can't predict what's going to happen at the local levels, but I know we are going to have hot spots and we're going to have surges and things like that, so we do need to be prepared. It's a pretty complicated answer there, Brandon. Sure. It's a complicated issue. Okay. Well,
1: you don't know, even think yeah. about, you know, I think about like, parents who say, well, I don't want to, I don't feel, because I, you know, I was in this position too, or I don't want to send my kid to school. And the school, you know, if they decide, you know, your kid needs to be in the classroom or we're not going to accommodate for COVID protocols, your kid's going to need to be there no matter what, you know, and you ain't going to have a choice. You can have a truancy officer at your door or something. So, you know, when you look at it, how do you, what's the most effective way of, you know, eliminating stress in my life and dealing with things like that while still providing health support, or I guess, you know, is through vaccinations. Yeah. You know, at twelve to eight T D O they're free, you can get it any time of the week. And we haven't really beat down the door as far as vaccinations as heavily as we could, especially for my office, you know, and I looked at it like, there's so much federal dollars, there's so much effort going into promoting this vaccination, you know, what, what could a small organization like ours, you know, what kind of impact would we have? But as we've gotten closer to the school year and we've started to see the urgency and the you know, and, and the immediate concerns of this Delta variant and what we did, we really need to put our foot on the floor as, you know, representatives of public health organizations and our families. It's an example, you know, let's get to vaccination. Let's help others get to vaccination. It, it's just what we need to do at this point. You know, there's been a notion that we don't have any protections against COVID. You know, before, you know, we have to lock down. We can't go to the store. You have to wear a mask. All this stuff is because we didn't have a vaccine. Now you can just go get a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, and and increase the likelihood of you not passing it, you surviving, your people being saved. It's a it's a easy answer, I guess.
2: I think what you just said is really important. The average individual pick the person out of the hat, are they likely to get hospitalized and die of the delta virus? No. But they serve as an infection node. If they transmit to another person who transmits to another person, et cetera, this virus is gonna find those that are still susceptible. The risk to the community is elevated when individuals are not getting vaccinated. So get vaccinated for your community. That's the important part here. Make it stop with me. That's why if someone asks me, why did I get vaccinated? I'm going to make it stop with me. Because guess what? I'm still going to get exposed very likely. I probably will get exposed to Delta. But now, as opposed to before... I will be a stoppage point for it because they've been vaccinated. I'm protecting you. I'm protecting your people and your networks. It just goes on and on and on in terms of that protection that I offer the whole community.
0: And tell us a little bit about what herd immunity is and are we still able to obtain that right.
2: at this point? Herd immunity is the goal. Herd immunity is where enough people have immune systems, highly active, that stop what I was just talking about, stop the virus from transmitting. When that happens, the people that are susceptible in the population, don't get exposed. It's a rare event, not a frequent event. And that's what we want to see. We know that it's going to take 80 90% now, because of Delta being so much more infectious, that percent of people being immune. You know, if we had 35% immunity before vaccination ever even started, and we throw on top of that about another 50% of our population in the United States that's been vaccinated, you don't add those together, 50 plus 30 equals 80, because there's overlap. We still are probably only about, you know, 60%, 62, 63%, don't know, just taking an educated guess, of immune protection in our population across that whole range of all the people we need to get that up to 85 percent i'm going to say before we start seeing that herd immunity you're protecting people that are susceptible the virus just isn't able to continue to keep that that hold on transmission anymore i
1: know we've been bouncing around but i, I was thinking that there's a question i had earlier i didn't get to ask epi epidemiologists, you guys have a way of projecting timelines as far as, you know, where the virus is at. And when we're looking at Great Britain, where they're at right now, and and their high number of infections daily, if the trend follows as it did last year, or, you know, where it's projected to go with the Delta now that it's more infectious, at what point in the year or where are we looking at the United States being where Great Britain is right now?
2: Sure, yeah. So... Um, the G- Great Britain UK was in front of us in terms of the, the wave that happened previously. Same thing is setting up right now. They just peaked two weeks ago in terms of their total number of cases, but their hospitalizations and deaths are still going up because, you know, it takes a week or two after the number of cases for those to really start showing up. It's not a good situation there. Other places, too, as well, France and Spain, in many places, other parts of the world. As epidemiologists, we look at those to help inform what's going to happen here. And I unfortunately think ours is going to coincide with school starting as well. That's going to perhaps get that engine fired up even that much more. Uh, We could see um, a pretty massive surge within a month. We could start seeing. Uh, The rise toward the peak could be even a little bit longer. It's just really hard to predict. Most epidemiologists will say they can see two weeks in front of the headlights. (laughs) We can only know what's going to probably happen. Two weeks using all the information ahead of us. Um, You know, we can try to project, again, using the UK or some of the other countries that are seeing this delta wave and know, we know it's coming. Now is the time. Not in a couple more weeks or a month to think about getting your vaccine. If you don't want to get this, now is the time. Just get it now. No, it, it's coming. You know, it's on its way. Right now,
1: you want to be ready. You need to go get your vaccination. People have been putting it off for months. You know, we've had it for months. You know, but you look at places like you know Pine Ridge and, and Rosebud. You know, they're in the 30%, 25%, 35%. So somewhere in that area of vaccination across the population. But there should be an added urgency now because we know that it's coming. You know that storm's coming. You know that that, that enemy's coming. You know it's coming to camp. It's it it's on its way. You know we see the That's dust cloud. We look out. We see the dust clouds coming of whatever they're riding. You know you can see their horses. You yep. know so many miles away and know that it's going to be on our front our front steps real soon. And our only
0: weapon is the vaccines. If we're trusting enough to let a doctor cut into us and cut into our vital organs. I think we should trust them enough to take the medication, to take the vaccines that they say will protect us, not only us, but our community and more specifically the ones we love.
2: I think another thing to say is what worked before might not work this time. If we do enact shutdowns and extensive contact, you know, tracing and things like that, remember this is about a thousand times the level of virus that's produced in the average person. 60%, 70% may be more infectious. Those other measures might not work like they did before. Plus people are exhausted. They may not comply when they're asked to quarantine or if they're needing to be isolated because they're sick. You know, they might feel a lot better because, you know what, um I'm not that sick, but the delta variant is still producing a lot of virus in that person. If they're not vaccinated. And What would you say to the the
0: parents that are sending off their kids like what should they do besides the obvious should they be wearing masks all day uh, of course washing hands what else can we do when we send our kids to school?
2: Yeah absolutely the American Academy of Pediatrics has stood out to say we recommend universal masking on students all ages anyone over two years of age preschool and up And CDC has not yet made the specific recommendation, but they're in agreement with saying, you know, that schools and local school boards should be able to make that decision on their own. So there's, it's called a multi-layer mitigation strategy. Vaccination where vaccination is indicated, 12 and older. Uh, Mask wearing uh, for adults and children and contractors and janitors, you name it, everyone. In that school here's another thing that's very effective increased air intake from the outside in that building's ventilation system bring it in bring the fresh air in it's kind of hard because a lot of buildings are built for efficiency and when it's extremely hot or extremely cold outside that's money but that's money well spent you're preventing the disease and the other thing is filtration you can get something that says HEPA filtration on it if there's a little indicator by HEPA filtration, it says ASHRAE, A-S-H-R-A-E. That's the organization that certifies these filters. Those HEPA filters are highly effective at removing viruses if they're in the point where the learning is occurring, in the room, for example. And then also the other thing is air movement, because if you move the air, those droplets, which initially start up as large when you cough or sneeze, can hit the floor, impact the walls, get out of the air that people are breathing.
1: Are we talking about the HEPA filters that you just plug in and they look like, you know, like old school air conditioner type things? Those are
2: the ones. Yeah, absolutely. There's some are small desktops shaped. Some are, you know, like a cylinder and, you know, they may sit up another you know 18 inches but the small or large you're just helping to reduce that what we were talking about before when someone's shedding they're concentrating the virus in their area and if you can start filtering it or moving that air that's a good thing movement of air is a good thing some people might think oh you know you're just spreading it in an indoor environment what you're doing is you're diluting it by spreading it in a lot of it, that's large droplets, still microscopic, you can't see it. They're hitting the floor, they're hitting the wall, and they're being removed. One of those things for tribal leaders to keep in mind you got Absolutely. them COVID dollars,
1: let's get them classrooms filled up with HEPA filters, you know, get them windows open, might run up the energy bill just a bit. But in the long run, you know, saving lives is the ultimate goal. And I think there's been a lot of funding that come through our ways and looking for creative ways to spend it. What, what about the the UV lights. You know, we I remember early on when COVID was because we were looking at, you know, what are the tools we can get our hands on and one theory, theoretical idea was that so you could get the UV chambers or the UV lights and the UV would be able to decontaminate even PPE. Um what what have,
2: have we heard anything about that? UV needs uh, close proximity to the virus to kill it. So that's a little bit of a hard Cell to say everybody should get uv sterilization because you gotta have movement of air right across that very intense part of the light and that's really hard to do and you can't go in a room for example and just wave it around each individual constantly every hour but what you can do is put a box fan in there if you got nothing else a box fan will move that air and pack out some of that aerosol and dilute the aerosol and uh if you have a window open and can put a box fan in there, all oh, the better. Oh, that's really good. Put that in there with your HEPA filter.
1: Uh, you're almost immune. <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite. Well, you're no. going to sneeze to the face. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> you're still going to get You COVID. get your vaccine on top of that. You'll
1: be <laughs> in pretty good shape. You have a classroom of vaccinated kids, a fan moving, window Multi-layer. open, UV, and masks. You know, might be able to have, a, have Al and I pretty soon.
0: I hope. I hope we can have something. We're going into the third year of not having. Anything. So yeah, get yeah. vaccinated if not, you know, for yourself, for your community, for your kids. Quit disappointing your kids because there's a lot of things that are being gonna going to be cancelled. Not if. When.
2: Get vaccinated. If you don't want to continue to see all of these restrictions and things on a person, you know. We I, I wanna be done with this. A lot of us do. But we have to get over this barrier of the vaccine, you know, being a problem. I saw um a survey that showed of the people that are unvaccinated about half of them are just that way because they're never going to get vaccinated and you won't convince them. But about the other half are sitting on the fence thinking I don't want to be if I don't have to be. Well, we're now looking at this delta surge coming and it's like a it's like a tsunami wave coming. And those people in particular couldn't be forewarned now. Yeah, it's time. All right Nick we thank you for
0: your time and sitting down and talking with us today and if uh, any of our listeners want any more information or want to schedule a vaccine give us a call at Oyate Health Center 605-718-5059 and for myself Brandon Ekafy the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center this has been The Circle here on Keeley Radio the voice of the Lakota Nation. COVID-19 vaccines are currently available across the Great Plains area. These vaccines are safe and effective tools for stopping the spread of COVID-19. The vaccines work by giving our immune systems instructions for how to fight off infections. They do not contain the virus that causes COVID-19. Short-term side effects like soreness at the injection site, fever, headache, muscle pain, or fatigue are common after receiving the vaccine. Millions of people around the world, including thousands of native health workers and elders, have been vaccinated safely. Vaccines are the safest way to protect our relatives during this ongoing pandemic. The more people get the vaccine, the more lives we
2: can save in our communities.
0: Call your healthcare provider at Tribal Health.